right. Welcome, everyone, to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda. And I'm James Moore. And tonight we are going to be discussing The Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Kowal. It's a sci-fi novel that takes place in an alternative reality, uh, 1950s America. And it is following Alma, who is a calculator um, and married to a scientist in the aftermath of a meteorite kind of destroying a good portion of America and the effects that it's going to have on the earth. So they're looking at alternative uh, solutions for when things start deteriorating more and if they should be moving off of earth. And that's kind of where the focus is in the novel is how to get people into space. So what were your overall first thoughts? Well, I'll go first and say that um, after a couple of maybe questionable choices on books, that uh, it was it was a pleasure to have this fantastic book. I mean, I, I just thoroughly enjoyed reading it for so many reasons that we'll go into later, but um, the the story is multifaceted. The the protagonist is is flawed and someone you can root for at the same time. The antagonist isn't like the the evil Bond villain that's that's cookie cutter, you know, antagonist. There's many facets to that antagonist. And the story is just so well done. It was well written. I, I can't fault it. I really enjoyed reading it. How about you, Kate? Uh yeah, I I also really enjoyed it. I I couldn't stop myself. I read the whole series and there's a fourth one coming too, so I'm very excited about that. I noted it was our first Jewish protagonist, so that's fun for the podcast. And and I liked that it was it was a book that was both about the problem of like we need to get off the planet and it was also about, you know, her specifically wanting to be at the forefront and and doing more things and having uh her own struggle fit really well into the bigger problem instead of a book that's like oh yeah, we have to, you know, fight the bad guy and that's that's the whole of the plot. <laughs> It was just really, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot and I enjoyed the series a lot. So I recommend the, the other two books uh, as well. Well, I'll definitely have some questions for you about future books. I would say that I was really excited in the first quarter of the book. It's like, this is really cool. Like when the meteorite hit and them trying to get away from it, like it was really action packed. I thought that that pace was going to kind of keep up and then it really like slowed down, like way, way down. And I, it actually took me a really long time to finish it. I sped through the first part and then that last like half was really tough for me to get through. And finally it kind of picked up a little bit and then it just ended. <laughs> and, and I was reading the, the Kindle version. So it still said I had like 10% of the book left. I'm like, okay, you know, something's gonna happen. And then they go off into space and then it ends. And the last like 10% was like a preview of the next book or <laughs> another book. So like, where's the rest of it? So I think it was more of a problem with my expectations that I thought that we would get. I didn't realize that it was a series until I was done. And I'm like, okay, now it makes more sense. Like this is the buildup, the world building to get us to the next book, which I assume Kate will be about actually going into space for the next few books, maybe four books from now, they'll finally get into space, <laughs> 10 books. I don't know, but I guess 
in my mind, I was thinking, okay, maybe halfway through we'll start getting there. Um, but now looking back, I realize it wasn't, the book wasn't really about the exploration into space. It was everything leading up to it and the character building. Cause I assume that Alma will still be the main character. Maybe Kate's not getting into Do you, you want to know? <laughs> Spoilers for anyone who doesn't want to know uh, anything about the future books. Uh, yeah, Elma is the protagonist of the second book, but not the third book. Okay. All right. So that's good that all the character building isn't for nothing. <laughs> we'll still get her in the next book. So uh, what did you both think of what's going on in the world? Because that was the other kind of complaint that I had was, I realized that it's maybe like a really slow process for the earth to deteriorate, but we didn't really get a whole lot of information about like what's going on in the world. We got little like snippets here and there, but it was really kind of bubbled into just this space program and what's going on with these characters. And then of course you get Alma's brother and aunt and they give a little bit of information, but at the beginning of the book, you think like, this is it, like the world is ending and they're clearly still functioning mostly normal. Well, from the introduction of the catastrophe that was forcing them off the planet, from the beginning, it was explained, at least to me, that this was going to be a decades long process. And not only would it be decades long, it would be additionally, people wouldn't be able to recognize it for the problem that it is, as far as the greenhouse effect and that sort of thing, because because um, there's going to be um, issues with cold before the global warming, you know, before things got really hot. So people are going to be like a lobster in the pot and see and say, that, oh, everything's just fine as the earth gets, gets hotter and hotter over a long period of time. So I kind of just set that catastrophe aside and just set it into the, the pigeonhole of, OK, this is this is the event that's forcing the action of, you know, figuring out how to get to the moon due to colony. And the book that I read after that and what made me enjoy it so much is I kind of saw it as a sociology um, explanation you know, of what's what's it like to be in America under these extreme circumstances where when you're Jewish, when you're a woman, when you're an African-American woman. You know, and what people had to deal with in the book at the same time. That's where I got all the enjoyment from it. And, um, you know, there was I wasn't really looking for that, the action part of it. It was more of an exploration that I thought was fascinating that appealed to me as, a, as an African-American man looking at these sociological things. And mixed into with that, my geeky side was satisfied with listening about you know, avionics and, and uh, geography and, and geothermal effects and, and all the science stuff. So I might have had a unique, you know, pleasure in reading this book because of that. Yeah, I I thought it was a little bit allegorical to the current situation with climate change that we're dealing with. It's slow building. It's been slow building. It will speed up, but we're not seeing all the effects, especially in our part of the world, we're in North America, but in other parts of the world, they're already feeling the horrible effects and we're just going about our day, not really thinking about it. And so I felt like maybe it was, you know, Elma was the modern American and parts of the world that the book doesn't show, but that other books show uh, <laughs> in the series. <laughs> that's, that's what other people are dealing with in our real world. 
here is that they're dealing with, you know, more hurricanes and typhoons and flooding and droughts and chaos. And she just used this meteor in the book to speed things up a little bit and also force them to go into space because space is fun. But I, I agree with James. I really liked the the scientific look at it and thinking through and everything made sense to me, you know, <laughs> every time they'd be like doing the math, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm not checking that. I agree. <laughs> so uh, she did a crazy amount of research and it definitely showed. So I, I liked that. Yeah, I was reading in the acknowledgments, all the different scientists and mathematicians um, she had helping with all those calculations. And that's a pretty daunting task to take on something that is so heavily scientific and mathematical and like including all those things into a story if you're not that expert to begin with. Like that, that's a lot of research and a lot of fact checking. And that's not something I would want to do as a writer because I am not math minded. I am not science minded. So I would uh, I would be very, very concerned about making lots of mistakes that other people who do know what they're talking about are like, that's not right. (laughs) But clearly she had a lot of people making sure that everything was as realistic as a book like this could be. So let me ask you a question, Amber. Um, As I was reading the book, I was thinking about us in our podcast. And, and I, I was also thinking about a lot of readers out there that weren't necessarily in a technical or scientific field. Were there parts of the narrative where you kind of like just uh, just kind of phased out and just you know skip to the end of the paragraph to see if it gets back on the road that you were more familiar with? Yeah, uh, definitely more in like the last quarter of the book. It was really calculation uh, science heavy. And, you know, by that point, I was kind of like, okay, I just got to finish the book. It's, I took way too long reading it. So like, I just got to get through it. And so, yeah, I was kind of skimming a lot of the paragraphs. Sometimes it was like pages and pages where it's like, okay, they're still talking about that same thing, you know, and then the actual like plot stuff that I was more interested in. I was like, okay, I could catch back up here. And I don't feel like I missed, I mean, I probably missed a lot of nuanced things that you guys picked up on because I skipped through some of that stuff. (laughs) But, um, you know, I feel like I still understood enough to understand what was going on. And I think other people like me would probably end up doing the same thing, just kind of skimming through some of that stuff that is a little bit more tedious to read. But I've definitely read other books that are a lot more technical and really boring. So I will give her that she did a good job of (laughs) like still making it interesting to like a casual reader. Yeah, that's a balancing act, I'm sure. So what did you think about the time of when this happened like she clearly made an intentional choice to set this in the 1950s America and James you already kind of touched on it a little bit but do you are you pleased with her choice to set it in in that time period I feel like I'm taking over the show from Kate maybe Kate will want to take uh, answer this one first uh sure yeah I can I mean the 1950s were a time right women were oppressed people of color were oppressed white dudes were having a great time but (laughs) and the thing you know people are still alive today that very much remember the 1950s so it's it's an interesting choice because you can't critique it too hard because there are people who are like hey man i was you know a teenager in the 1950s it didn't seem so bad and you can't you can't sugarcoat it either because people will be like um would you look at this that happened and that that happened and how many women and how many 
this people and you know people were not treated well <laughs> so uh it's definitely a, a time period where there was starting to be a, a change where people were starting to stand up and, and say, no, thanks, white guys. Can we have our turn now? Thank you. And I think the meteor probably sped that up. I mean, based on, you know, Elma getting into the space shuttle at the end of the book, of course. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it also probably made a lot of other things, I don't know, worse like the the disparity between the people who were saved from the meteor areas and the people who were left behind. Uh, and that definitely would have elongated the difference between the haves and the have-nots, shall we say, of the 1950s. So I thought it was a really interesting choice, bold choice. Uh, and I got really mad at all the sexism. I got, I got sick of it. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be there, but I got really mad. So she could have maybe the 60s, maybe the 70s. <laughs> well, as far as the time choice, I, 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 I am pleased with the time frame that she, we, she chose to make it an interesting story. I also think that if you look at it realistically, I know she was, this is a, a departure from actual events, of course, in that time frame. But if you're looking at society and technology, she had a very small window anyway. You can't go too much further back from the 50s or before the war because World War II itself brought in a lot of the technology that allowed the space race in the first place, the rocket technology and all that stuff. And if you go too far forward, then things become too easy, not just with people's minds being open to, you know, women doing certain things and, you know, a liberation in that in that frame. It would have been the technology would have been, you know, pushed forward to a point where, you know, things would, you know, have just been too simple because you it's easier to, to leave orbit. You've already gotten on the moon by 69. So if they went and she went into the 70s or the 80s, something like that, it would have been a little bit too easy. So I think she made a wise choice, but she was kind of pushing to the wise choice because of that. I, I do like the fact that that choice allowed for, you know, certain decisions on you know, tying in socioeconomic issues and that played out in a lot of the actions like, you know, when when they were bringing refugees in, well, who were the ones that were getting brought in first, you know, and the and what did they have to go through to get the disenfranchised, you know, set, uh, rescued also. So it that was a recurring thing throughout there. And I think it's more powerful that it's happening frame of the, you know, starting in the 50s than any other place. Yeah, I agree. I think that the route that she took the story with societal, racial, gender issues of the time period, I mean, she wouldn't have been able to dive into all of those as much as she did if she placed it in a different time period. <clears throat> so it really was the perfect mash for the story that she told. I mean, of course, she could have said it in a different time and it would just look completely different. I was trying to picture what it would look like if it was set in present day. And there probably still would be societal, racial, gender issues she could dive into. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about NASA, but I would assume that it's still primarily white male astronauts, um, just because that's that's how things are usually, even today. So I think she still could have tied it in, but it was an interesting choice to set it then. Um, and James, you're right. I mean, with, with computers, they wouldn't need all the, the calculators, which was a cool choice. And I, I watched the Hidden Figures movie, but I haven't read the book. But 
from what I understand, um, that was kind of a similar feel to the book where there's a lot of like math and science actually like in the writing of the book. Um, so, you know, you don't, you don't do that. I mean, there is some math that people do nowadays and my, my husband's an engineer and he does some math, but a lot of it's all in calculators or in their programs that they have now. So it's not the freehand stuff that, that people used to have to do in panic mode. Um, and of course, communication would be different. It just, the, the entire story would have to change. So Kate, you talked about how you were getting frustrated with sexism. So that kind of brings us to Parker Stetson, who's the antagonist throughout that is just actively working against Alma. And there is a reason given for why he is working against her because she reported him for something and or he thinks that she reported him, but it turns out, she, you know, she doesn't feel like she was to blame for what happened to him. But he just, they have a very interesting relationship because then he asks for a favor and then he tries to blackmail her. And then he ultimately ends up kind of, kind of supporting her, but still not really. Um, did, did you feel like that was a realistic portrayal or it was just kind of over-exaggerated in his character? Well, I mean, I, I didn't like him. And I know things about him from books after this, which make me continue to dislike him. <laughs> Although I know, uh, it, I don't know why he's a jerk, I guess. It's just like who he is. But I understand why he does some of the things he does, which he still shouldn't be doing. So that's not an excuse. Uh, and I think that he's mad that he was caught. You know, like anyone could have turned him in for being a gross person that he was. I believe it was sexual harassment, if not more. And he's just mad he got caught. It's 100% his fault. And he should just be a big boy and move on with his emotions and, you know, just move on. But he's mean about it. And then he, and then he, I think he was like maybe trying almost to be better and then got worse with the blackmail stuff. He was confusing to me for some reason. It felt almost like he was two different characters that ended up mashed together. And I have no evidence of that, but that's, that's where my mind is going. Like there, there maybe was a guy that was an ally in an early draft. And then she's like, there's too many characters. I'll just have Stetson do the confusing thing <laughs> and be nice briefly and then not be nice later. So yeah, that was confusing. He's never been super clear to me. And I would also love the chance to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, I just found it surprising that based on the time period, you would expect people to not want a female astronaut just because it's the 1950s and um, but it didn't really seem like anybody else was really opposing it at all. And that's the kind of, I think that's where the issue I have with him comes in, where it's like, everyone else is just kind of like, hey, whatever, like, if they're qualified, they're qualified. And then there was him who was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And you know, and just actively working against her. But a lot of it was the sexism, not just her. Um, so I, I guess if there was someone more in the middle that would have kind of made him seem less of an exaggeration because it was just like, okay, indifferent people or him, <laughs> there's no one that's just like, 
yeah, I, I really don't want to see a woman astronaut like men are more qualified because of these reasons. And we didn't really have that. Yeah. I wanted him to give a concrete, if stupid answer for a why, where he'd be like, oh, but periods in space, how will that work? Like anything like that, where yeah. he could just give any reason beyond they're not qualified, even if the reason is stupid. <laughs> I just wanted something from him. <laughs> well, I personally am glad he didn't go the route of periods in space because I would have to just put the book down. Um, <laughs> but I think that he seemed a little bit more harsh because he he's not the decision maker. You know, he's uh, he's a star in the program and that sort of thing and an influencer. But he had to be more vocal to get his point across. The actual decision makers agree with him up front, but they don't really have to spout a lot. Uh, a lot um, as far as the controversy, because they, they just said, oh, we're just not going to do the women. We're going to see them as cargo when we had to colonize as opposed to participating in the program, because um, the common sense of you're going to need women out there that know what they're doing was kind of a wash until they started to prove themselves. And and in a way, our protagonist got society and popular opinion on her side, you know, to to force that decision. So. I, I like the way that that was done. It was done, you know, skillfully because change in other areas of our society had to go that way. You know, of course, there were there were riots and everything for civil rights and, and that sort of thing. But usually what really makes a change is some kind of practical strategy that's outside of clubbing somebody over the head. And, and usually it takes a, a mass of popular opinion to make any kind of a change in that. I think that's, in my opinion, what happened here to get women in general accepted. But there was that other story of the personal between, you know, Parker and um, our, our main character. There was something personal between them. And he at one point actually said, you know, OK, women can be going in space, but not you. I make sure that you're not going because of their history. So. So I also want to make sure that we talk about the anxiety pills that she was on, because that I think is a valid concern that that people could have about her in particular going into space, not just anxiety pills, but really any medication that you'd have to rely on in space, whether it's fear hard or <laughs> migraines or, or whatever it might be, you know, things like that can get people disqualified from from really high high risk types of jobs because like what if you aren't in a position to take the pills at the right time or whatever and and of course i think she could still function without the anxiety pills like it's not like it's a life or death thing but what did you think about not just to the plot but the author's choice to include that as i don't want to say like a a weakness but as like a a part of Alma and her panic attacks and, and the puking and then ultimately ended up getting the anxiety pills and like the controversy that went on with that. Like, what are your thoughts on the inclusion of all that? And then also how it relates to the story. Well, that was necessary to make her um, a, a realistic and, and multidimensional uh, protagonist, because otherwise, if she didn't have that issue, it would just be her against society's idea of women, you know, can't go into space. And that would get boring after about a couple of chapters. And that anxiety also plays into our, our heroine that's not absolutely right about things, because like you like you say, you know, in the best of circumstances, still a concern. Now, speaking as her lawyer, 
in uh, in getting her onto the space program, I would say that she needs the anxiety med, uh, medication for dealing with crowds and people, you know, coming at her in groups. And when you're in space, you're very much alone except for your crew. So it wouldn't be as much of an issue there. So, but it does bring things into question. And as opposed to just, you know, coming, bringing it into light and talking about that and her revealing that she's on this medication, she knows that because simply because she's a woman, that any kind of little chink in armor is going to be exploited and keep her, you know, out of this program. That's why, you know, there was the, the whole cover up. So I think that it, that that makes the protagonist from good go from good to great. It makes the, the story go from good to great to have her have this um, issue that she's dealing with. Yeah, I really liked the inclusion of the anxiety. Uh, I struggled with anxiety for a time. And so I really understood. I understood the coping mechanisms. I really liked the inclusion of those, uh, both the ones she came up with by herself and then the ones that uh, she came up with later, uh, including the medication. Mental health is not always talked about, especially in this time period, especially at the 1950s housewife had to look perfect and, you know, wear that little dress and have the lipstick and the tiny apron and be so wonderful. And I'm sure that some of them struggled with mental health problems uh, and it's just not really recorded anywhere as much as it is nowadays. Um, So I really liked the inclusion of that. And I liked that it wasn't cured or solved or like overcome. It was just managed, which is accurate. <laughs> so I really, and I liked that she had to face it in order to solve her problem. And, you know, and that it was something she had to grapple with, but not something that she had to get rid of in order to go to space. Like it could come along. <laughs> I don't know if it's, I don't know if mental health things are covered by like the ADA uh, type of laws, which obviously didn't exist at that point. But I don't know how much you could stop someone from getting a job in space based on that type of medication. I don't know. I don't even know if you could ask about it in an interview or if you should. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think space is probably a little bit different, you know, kind of like the military where if you're going to be in a situation where you have to have meds or get access to meds in a place where it might be (laughs) very difficult to acquire refills or whatever you probably have to disclose what you're taking but yeah I don't know all all the ins and outs or if that would disqualify you like I know of course you have to pass tons of different tests and if she's able to pass the tests that they require of her and that's what they ultimately ended up saying they're like well she saved the people she was able to do what she needed to do under pressure so it doesn't really play a factor but I could definitely see how people would argue against her and use that as a point. So I, I actually expected people to push back a little bit more than they did. Again, it was like, you have Parker, who's like very much like, no, this is a problem. And I'm going to rat you out because of this. And I hate you and, and all this. And then everyone else was just like, hey, whatever. Like, again, there was not really anyone in the middle that was like, well, maybe we should kind of like talk about this a little bit more. Everyone else was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? But I did think it was an interesting inclusion. And, and I have been on anxiety pills, not currently, but for a part of my life. And so I I thought it was interesting how she portrayed it, especially in that time period. And having a supportive husband that was like, you're better with them. Like, I see the difference. And, you know, my husband's 
like that too. He was supportive and he's like, well, I can see the difference in you. So I'm going to support whatever helps you kind of be at your normal baseline because people with anxiety, you know, they, there's like a normal baseline and the anxiety pills are just kind of bringing you back down to the regular baseline. It's not meant to like change who you are. And I think that's what a lot of people fear with those types of medications that it's changing someone's like, you know, personality or their ability to do things. But, but it's just, it's just kind of taking you down (laughs) a few notches to where you can function and think clearer. Um, So I do agree that it was a cool extra layer to add to her character because she definitely was flawed. We've read several books now with the leading characters where it's like they're either just so unbearable or they're too perfect and they don't have flaws and they're one dimensional. So I do think that she was a great dimensional character with flaws, but also was a really badass, strong female main character who also had a husband that was supporting her and lifting her up, which didn't make her any less strong. I could see, you know, people, you know, just playing the devil's advocate being like, well, you know, she had her husband that was supporting her and like she would, you know, fall down and she had this great support system. So on her own, she wasn't always the strongest, but, but I would still argue that she was really strong and it's just awesome that she did have a support system in place. And, and part of being a strong female is also knowing who to surround yourself with too. So what did you guys think about her husband? Cause sometimes I'm like, okay, you're like too perfect. <laughs> Oh my god, the the like rocketry sexual innuendos yeah. killed me. I every time they would get busy with each other, I was reading it in public and I was like, ah, come on. <laughs> Prepare for takeoff. <laughs> I was like, people are gonna think I'm reading the dirtiest smut <laughs> and it's like rocket themed or something. <laughs> but no, uh it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really liked uh, their relationship. I thought, you know, they had their their boundaries, things he just like did not want to do uh, at work, but, you know, they were still loving and supportive and they were doctor and Dr. York. I mean, it's adorable. So uh, yeah, I, I really liked them. <laughs> well, if there was uh, something I wanted to criticize in the book was the fact that Nathaniel was a little bit too perfect. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was, he's super understanding shining night stand by her side and he walked the line perfectly between being her husband and wanting to um you know take care of her but not seeing her as weak he obviously did not see her as weak you know a less than a a person and he walked that line perfectly which really disappointed me (laughs) i was i was waiting for the scene where you know she finds out that he's got a dozen heads in a jar in the basement or something (laughs) he's got some he's a mass murderer or something he's some kind of flaw but um, still stuck in the mexican gothic book (laughs) (laughs) but but uh it it was necessary to have Nathaniel there for for uh for her to go as far as she could. Of course, it it helped in a lot of situations that her husband was the chief scientist in the, the program even before the meteor hit. So that's that explains the kind of the, the boost up that she got. Because if her husband was the guy that was the custodian there, <laughs> you know, this would have been totally a different book. But him, the character, Nathaniel's character himself was a, a little too perfect apple polished <laughs> for, for me. 
But um, on the other hand, it would have been a little bit more too much of a complication to have him have some kind of issue that had to be overcome or that sort of thing. So and the book would have been maybe 20 pages longer. But um, yeah, he's he's a little bit too perfect. Yeah, I would say definitely tipped into that that area where he was too perfect, too supportive, too understanding about everything that happened. I want to say it's really refreshing because you just don't really see that in books too often. There's always like conflict in the marriage or the spouse is not supportive, especially being the time period that it was in. Like he was just like, you go girl. Like (laughs) you are amazing. You are a rock star. Keep being you. Like, (laughs) which is, is great that, that he was a cheerleader for her. But at some time, at some points it's like, okay, he always is 100% like positive and supportive. And uh, even when he was really stressed, I mean, he had a lot of pressure on him, especially in the beginning of the book. And so you saw that a little bit, but it still didn't really turn into any sort of conflict. But it's like, even in like romance novels, there's like the male character, both characters in the relationship are always like super flawed. And like, it's never a perfect relationship, even in the most mushy, uh, (laughs) mushy romance novels. So it was kind of a bit jarring to see him so, so perfect. But yeah. So Kate, you said you had some facts about the female astronauts or at least yes so there uh there were seven lady astronauts chosen and uh and the author only ever named six she does not give the name of the seven uh she has admitted she forgot (laughs) (laughs) she did she did the math wrong she uh she just forgot that there needed to be another name and never included it. And that character, I think, retroactively gets added, but not in this book. <laughs> I guess I never counted. <laughs> yep, that, that's it. That's the whole fact. <laughs> that's all I got. Well, I, I have a question. Um, speaking of all the lady astronauts and that whole dynamic, what did you guys think about the, um, I guess, the, the dynamic between uh, the African-American pilots and and the other women pilots and what they, the difference between their their paths and trying to get in onto the program and becoming astronauts. Do you guys have any comments on that? I think that she did a good job of trying to discuss it, but also acknowledging the fact that it was from the perspective of a white female and that she couldn't possibly understand everything that the other women were going through. And she even made some comments that stood out to me, like, um, you know, I looked around the room and I noticed that there were no African-American women chosen here, but, um, but I don't think I would have noticed that if like her friend hadn't pointed it out. So she was acknowledging that based on her own biases and just being a white woman in that time period, she probably wouldn't have even realized it unless she had formed this connection with the other women who were also applying. And she kind of understood that they were qualified and should have been there, if not next to her, then instead of her. So I, I did think that that it was interesting how it was filtered through that lens. Yeah, I thought it was important to include that because it's still America in the 1950s, very famously racist place. And, you know, I, I think segregation was still a thing in this book, but they didn't name it quite as explicitly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that the... the 
the frustrating thing is, of course, they had the same qualifications from World War II, you know, and World War II did sort of promise people like, oh, you know, do this and all of the veterans will get, you know, the GI stuff and, you know, you get a house when you come back or whatever. And uh, those promises were not kept to many people, but especially people who are not white dudes. So when it, when it first got brought up, I was like, oh my God, of course this is happening. I felt like I was Elma. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even think about this aspect until it got brought up. And then I was just as embarrassed as Elma was. I was like, oh my God, I'm so dumb. Like, of course they're being racist. (laughs) Um, So I think the author handled it well to be like, hey, white girl who's reading this book on your commute, don't forget. Uh, So it was handled gently for readers like me who were dumb enough to forget that that was a thing in the 50s. But it was forefront enough after that point that uh, I like that Elmo brought it up like Amber said and was like, wait a second, (laughs) we all have something in common, guys. Uh, so yeah, I, it, it does get brought up in future books as well. And I do like that Elma, she offered to be the white savior and they were like, no, thank you. (laughs) Uh, that continues to happen by the way. So yeah, I thought, I thought it was done as well as a white lady could do. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Um, two, two things about that aspect that I really liked was number one, that the, um, as far as the representative group of the, the black female pilots, that the the reaction ranged all the way from bitter Malcolm X to let's give it another try, you know, because because that's realistic. You know, you get you're going to have that that spectrum in the group. And it was um, also handled very delicately. Another thing that I like was when they were talking about the qualifications. I think it was uh, said specifically, OK, the pilot, the, 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 the woman candidate has to have so many hours in a jet, but this level of education and the black woman were like, of course, we're not going to have that because we don't get that opportunity. You know, everything stems back to, you know, previous um, racial issues that prevent them from being able to do the things they would be able to do, but couldn't. And they just tie those into qualifications, knowing that they're going to weed out people of a certain, you know, skin tone. So I think that it, she did a good job of pointing out again, just like I think Katie, uh, Kate said it best, as well as a white woman can handle it. Well, and then you also had the two women that did make it through that they found out did not actually meet the qualifications at all. And they still got through. So it was clearly never actually held to that that requirement anyway. So that just makes it even worse. <laughs> it's like, well, you say that this is a requirement, but you're also being selective about who you're kind of giving wiggle room to, So, which I'm sure happens a lot <laughs> in reality. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that, but yeah, you're right. Because yeah, I think her name was Betty, the one reporter. They made a deal where she would provide exclusive stories in the life magazine so they like that but it seemed like they never had any intention of actually sending her into space and she realized that and kind of felt used and i think she's also they alluded to her sleeping with parker which felt kind of out of place to me because he just seemed like such an asshole that i'm like who is even coming near him i don't know <laughs> he was married there were just a whole bunch of issues yeah. I mean, she should have at least slept with the guy who actually made the decisions. 
come on, be strategic. <laughs> I want to say his name was Cletus, but I know that's not right. <laughs> it, was a, it was a C name. I don't remember. But I picture just like a really, really old white dude. And he was the one making the decision. So she was probably like, nah, I can just stay on earth. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> And then the other lady, I forget what why she was able to be put through. I think it was the, um, I don't even remember which one it was, but they called her out for not meeting the number of hours she needed. Do you remember why they let her through anyway? Was it was it the princess, the one that was uh, from another country? That's that's what I was thinking because of the relations that it might. Yeah, yeah, she was a Russian princess. Yes, exactly. I think that was the case, and that was another facet that was interesting. They brought any kind of endeavor like that, you have to deal with reality and the perception of reality. And perception, unfortunately, more important than actual reality. That's where getting a reporter on there came into play and having a princess on there came into play. So what did you both think of the endings? I already kind of explained that I felt like it was really abrupt, but that was also based on my my preconceived thoughts about what I thought was going to be happening in the book and then realizing, oh, there are more books and it'll be diving into this more. Uh, so I think that's what really made me disappointed when it ended where it did. Um, but knowing that there's more books, I'm like, okay, I guess that's a good place to end it. She's officially an astronaut now. But well, what did you all think of the ending? Well, even um, even before finding out this was a series, we were told early in the story where this book was going to end. Uh, if you you know noticing the construct of story, her obstacle, her goal was becoming an astronaut. And I think they even say at one point, okay, you're not an astronaut until you're so-and-so miles above Earth. So I knew the book was going to end when she was either on her way or actually at that point of so many miles above the Earth. That's Then she's reached her goal for that book. So the ending wasn't too abrupt for me, but as far as describing that day for her and she went through this and went through that, it was I think it, it it would have played way better in a movie than in a book because I was like, okay, let's blast off already. You know, this is, I know the sun was shining. I know the, the bluebirds were singing. Okay. I get that. And it was surreal for you. Okay. All right. Let's, let's light this freaking candle and get to the next book. So I, that part was a little bit long for me in prose, but it wasn't um, unexpected end for me, you know, that I was expecting the book to end pretty much where it did. Uh, yeah, I was uh, reading it on an e-reader, just like Amber. And so my e-reader was like, you have 50 pages left. I was like, oh man, there must be so much more adventure. Okay. <laughs> and then it ended and I, you know, I had the preview of the next book and I was like, are you kidding me? So I immediately flipped to the next book and there's a time jump uh, right at the beginning of the next book. And I was okay with it. I was a little bit mad, but I was like, all right, fine, fine. I will read this one. And I kept going. And a few days later, my mom finished the book. She's a loyal listener. Hi, mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she messaged me and she's like, it just ended like that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> She was so mad. Uh, and then she really hated the time jump because she went to the next book too. And she was like, oh, oh, we don't get to see Elmo go into spit. What? What? 
And she put the second book down. The one time that I get the actual book and then reading it, I guess it would have been more profound if I did the ebook and went through that. But, you know, yeah, I actually got the physical book and I saw it was getting to the end. There's no preview for the next book in the the actual paperback. So, yeah, you probably had a little bit more mental closure. And here I was like yesterday, like I got to finish this book. <laughs> like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> I had like two pages left and I'm like, okay, I got to sit down and finish this thinking I had like a hundred pages. <laughs> like, okay, well, got to find something else to read now. <laughs> so any final thoughts or things that we did not cover, you want to make sure we talk about? You know, just reiterating uh, one of the, the better books that we've read. I really enjoyed it. Multi-layered, great characters, except for Perfect Nathaniel. Something I would definitely recommend and just enjoy reading it. Yeah, I'll echo that. I, I loved it. It's definitely one of my favorite sci-fis now. I, I liked Perfect Nathaniel because a, a man who likes his lady smart is just catnip to me. Um <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I'm going to go right ahead and recommend it. I would recommend it to people who like science fiction. If, if like the Martian was too heavy in the science for a reader, then I think that reader would not probably handle this one. Well, it's a little bit less science heavy than the Martian, but it's still got enough that I think if you didn't like the Martian, you're probably not going to like this. But I think if you're interested in ladies in science, uh, you'll probably get really invested and uh, enjoy it just like we did. So I'm going to give this five stars because I loved it so much. I read the rest of the series. The third book's not as good, but you know, the, the fourth one might make up for it. You never know. <laughs> we'll find out in the future. <laughs> yeah. I will say that coming into tonight, I knew I was going to be playing the devil's advocate because I had a feeling that both of you were going to be absolutely over the moon. Uh, pun intended about this book and I was just like oh I don't know I really struggled and I'll be honest part of the issue is that I just am strapped for time and anytime I try to read a book now it's usually really late at night and I fall asleep and so the only way I've been reading books lately is on audiobook and I just could not get a copy of the audiobooks I was doing kindle and this is the first kindle book I've read in over two years probably since before (laughs) Before I had my daughter. So um, it took me a long time to get through it. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't have like super raving thoughts to begin with, just because I'm like, this took me months to read. (laughs) And I was trying to just get through it at the very end. Uh, But honestly, talking through it with you both, I realized like, okay, I really can appreciate the book for how well done it was. And even though I struggled personally to get through it because of my own personal things, I would still give it a four out of five because I recognize the quality of the story and the content and how difficult it must have been for the author to do all this research and math and science. Well, as far as my star rating, uh, I definitely would recommend the book. And um, just to make up for Amber, I'm going to give it six stars out of five. <laughs> no, it's it's a solid five out of five. And I, I don't normally give out the fives, but I just like every aspect of this book from different angles so much that it was um it was deserving of 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 that rating. So one of one of my few five out of fives. Awesome. Well, next episode we will be discussing the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reed. 
So make sure you read that book and then you can join us for the next episode. We will be discussing it in details and have lots of spoilers. So um, make sure you have read it before you join us. But thank you all for listening and join us next time. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with a strong female main character. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Find more reviews, discussions, and articles related to publishing, writing, and editing on judgingmorethanjustthecover.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace out.